Before we get going with this week's show, a word from a few of our friends. Let's begin with Race Lens. We're happy to be partnered with Race Lens and are excited to announce two new promotions for new and existing Race Lens customers. New customers, sign up for an unlimited Race Lens monthly subscription and get the first month for only $1. Use the promo code in the money. Former or current customers, there's a special offer for in the money listeners. Come back and try or extend your current plan with Race Lens and enjoy 40% off any unlimited Race Lens subscription. The promo code for that deal is in the money 40 to learn more. Go to www.inthemoneypodcast.com slash racelens. And last but not least, our friends at BetMakers. Fixed Odds Betting, powered by BetMakers, is back across New Jersey and was a great success at Monmouth Park this year. The returns were fantastic, and Fixed Odds Wagering is now available throughout the state. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. You will continue to hear more about Fixed Odds Betting opportunities across the In The Money media network. Now, on to this week's show, Breeders' Cup Eve. What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, October the 31st, 2022. It is Halloween, and it is also Breeders' Cup Week. This is episode 137 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You can listen to it basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. You can also watch and listen along over on YouTube. Search bar map or your show, you'll get this episode along with the 136 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, bell icon lit up, the whole nine. That way you get notified when new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. Uh, this week, it is Breeders' Cup week. I head to Cincinnati on Wednesday and then drive to Lexington. And look, we're going to have all sorts of content coming out over the next handful of days, both In The Money Media NBC, Breeders' Cup, you name it. We're going to be out there having fun. Looks like the weather, knock wood, spectacular this weekend for the Breeders' Cup. Um, I, I was sure that we were due for some sort of bad weather in Lexington. The first two Breeders' Cups, all things considered, not bad weather-wise. Uh, this one looks like it could be the best of the lot with early, early, low to mid-70s as far as temps are concerned. So should be two good days. I guess there's a chance of rain outside, but I'm not too terribly worried about that right now. And what this week's show is going to be is me just sort of uh, stream of consciousness, just kind of rolling things out there, some ideas, some horses, some names that I'm either for or against. It's not necessarily a pick. Maybe it will end up being a pick. Maybe it won't. Who knows? But some horses that I'm keeping an eye on for better or for worse. And also, overall, just what sort of the complexion of these races look like they were drawn few hours ago from when this is being recorded Uh, so we're going to start with the friday races the juvenile races then we're going to go to the listener and the viewer submissions as far as thoughts and opinions are concerned Um, if i'm being honest i was hopeful we would get more than we did we only got seven folks that sort of threw their uh their name out there Uh, those are russell brown jay braver gabe gilson robert walton trish smith peter appleby and i don't is it kurt watt or kurt watson the email only said Kurt Watt. Well, Kurt, uh, how whatever your last name is, those are the seven folks that we will listen here who they like as far as a favorite that they think is legit, a short price they think could be vulnerable, and then wrap it up with a price that they think they can get a little bit creative with 
in one of these Breeders' Cup races, either on Friday and Saturday. And thank you to all of you who contributed. And I'll do this again in the future, but really it does. It boils down to how many submissions or what kind of input I get from the listeners. So this is about as light as I would want to go, and it's good that we've got enough to kind of chop up over the the two days. But um, we'll get our opinions from some of the listeners and, and viewers out there, and then we'll wrap things up with some Saturday thoughts as far as the Breeders' Cup is concerned. So let's dive into it. Friday, the juvenile races. Let's begin there. Let's begin with Friday, the juvenile turf sprint. Any of you who have listened for many, many moons already know this. Those of you who are new, um, turf sprints, don't love them, have a hard time handicapping them. Um, they're far too quick for me, meaning I actually like to kind of get into the flow of a race. Probably part of the reason I like long-distance turf races and the Belmont Stakes. Call me a dinosaur. Call me old-fashioned. I don't know. Um, but the one observation I have about this race is it seems like there's a great deal of speed drawn to the outside. Uh, the Platinum Queen for... European standards is fast for American standards is actually pretty quick. Uh, Speedboat Beach is out there. Tyler's Tribe is out there. Sharp as Attack is out there. American Apple's out there. I mean, these aren't slow horses by any stretch. So I think there's going to be a legitimate pace signed on early. You know, what does that mean? Consult someone who is better with turf sprints than I am for any info regarding the turf sprints that are going to be happening on Friday and Saturday. The juvenile fillies... I don't know how I'm going to approach the race from a gambling standpoint, but my, my takeaways going into the race or my opinions going into the race, A, they're not that good. Uh, these two-year-old fillies are a little bit subpar, and I think that can lend itself to a bit of chaos, especially when you factor in B, my second opinion going into the race, is that it seems like there are a number of girls that like to be close and haven't really proven that they can pass others, which lends me to think that there's a chance that this thing could be a barbecue and with less than stellar company does it fall apart and set up for horses rallying from off of it who have proven that they can pass runners already those being the vegas magics of the world the and tell me no lies of the world the sabra tufts of the world um chop chop atomically chocolate gelato american rocket you know these are just a handful of them that have shown that they can rally from off of it, that they don't need to be up pushing the pace like so many two-year-olds do in order to be successful. Uh, my the, the filly I like in the race, and I don't know how I'm going to bet her, uh, and I haven't seen a morning line just yet, I, I like Atomically, mainly because she's a fresh face in a group, and I know none of them have really run against each other for the most part yet. But some of the other names that are more well-known I don't love I like what she's done in all of her starts in Florida so far. And based on numbers, she's not that far off. So I think she stacks up really well in this field. I, I'm afraid that maybe she's a bit wise guy-ish, which is making me wonder, am I going to play her to win? Am I going to try to get alive in doubles from that turf sprint? But I just talked about how much I hate turf sprints. Or am I truly playing for the race to fall apart and trying to hit some massive exacta or trifecta for a big number using horses rallying from off of it? Um, still time. Good news is these races don't happen until Friday. So I have plenty of time to figure that out, how I'm going to attack the race. Uh, but that's my overall feel for the juvenile Phillies is that I don't think they're that good. I think it could be a fast pace and I think it could completely fall apart and sort of lead to chaos in a year where there are races that I don't think are all that chaotic. 
Juvenile Phillies Turf. This is, I feel pretty good that this will be my biggest play of Friday. Uh, again, not entirely clear how I'm going to play it just yet. Is it going to be a big win bet? Is he going to be trying to get alive in doubles or trying to smash some sort of an exotic? I think this is a bit of a chaos race where there's not one girl in here that deserves to be very, very short in terms of price. I think there's a lot of quality. I just don't know that one is head and shoulders above everyone else like the race that we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, my opinion in here is G. Laurie. I like her quite a bit. I've seen overseas that she's in the high teens, low 20 range at bookmakers. I haven't seen a morning line here from Nick Tamaro just yet. I'm going to assume she's a low teen, kind of in that 15 range. I could see her living somewhere in the, you know, between 10 and 15 to 1, which I am I think is fair. Again, in a race this competitive, I wouldn't want anything too much shorter than that if we're being, you know, straightforward. But G. Laurie, she reminds me a little bit of Sharing, who won this race for motion in 2019. Sharing was a little bit faster at this point going into it, but G. Laurie, I don't think, has truly had an opportunity to show what she's capable of. The career debut was visually spectacular for a trainer that doesn't win like this. Doesn't win first out of the box with turf routers. Just doesn't. So for her to do what she did, to me, signified that there's some ability here. And then the run-up at Woodbine and the Talma, you draw a line through it because it was a miserable trip and there was no pace. I think there is quality here, and I think this is going to be a time that you can get a big price on her where maybe you don't get that going forward. So... G. Laurie is going to be my big opinion on Friday. We'll find out if it ends up being a big win bet or something else. The Juvenile. I wish I had more to say about the Juvenile. Uh, Cave Rock, is he's just the fastest horse early, isn't he? So the fastest horse early, I suppose Hurricane J, you know, stretching out in distance is going to be kind of your early gas. And I know National Treasure is, you know, fine. I just, I think it sets up really well for Cave Rock. I think he's going to get out there and strut his stuff. It's going to be three to five, and he's going to solidify favoritism for the Kentucky Derby. I just, I, I, it's not, put it this way, even if he loses, it's not a race where I'm looking at it saying, I think there's someone else that is primed and ready for some big jump up that's going to be enough to topple him. Um Forte, I like the fact that he's paired up buyers, but purely from a tactical standpoint, he's going to have to make up so much ground on Cave Rock. Everybody else, I'm just not all that enamored with. I, I, I think all these others have a lot to find, and Cave Rock needs to regress significantly for anybody to beat him, and that's why I'm not going to play against him, I don't think. You know, unless something crazy happens between now and then. I just have no interest in the race... From a gambling standpoint, I think it's going to be great to watch. I'm very anxious to see if this horse continues on this sort of path to being a prohibitive favorite for the Kentucky Derby, given the connections, given the pedigree, given the way that he's won and the figs that he's earned. But I just, I don't have, I don't have much more to say about that. I think it's Cave Rock's race to lose. And then the Juvenile Turf, I, you know, this is a another group that I think is, I think it's a pretty wide open race. I know everybody's just looking at it saying Silver Knot put a ring around him. Maybe he really does want firmer going. I know some people have said otherwise. I, I don't know. I, I feel like if he's here, he's one that I don't have a great feel for. 
purely as in terms of the going, what does he want? Because he's run decently well over all of them. I guess over the real bog, he didn't pick his feet up, and that was at Doncaster, but I'm not going to hold that against him. The rest of the field, though, I mean, I can I can make a, a serious case for, I don't know, at least four of them, if not more. And then I could see some of these other ones coming along and picking up some pieces underneath. So, again, not a race that I'm immediately enthralled with. It's the horse that I found most interesting. There are two, really. One of them is Major Dude. But I think he's like among the favorites. All right. I don't I don't know that I like him that much. And packs a wallop. Now, conventional wisdom suggests the California form going east on grass doesn't work, but the European bookies have him among the shorter prices as well. I believe he's the second choice in many shops behind Silverknot. And I've loved what he's done in his turf races. But if he's the second choice in this race, he doesn't do anything for me. I, I need him 10, 10 to 1 or better, and I don't think I'm going to get that. So maybe this is one of those races that, from a, a BCBC standpoint, which is how I'm approaching basically this entire weekend, I'm sure I'll have some sort of a multi-race bet. Ooh, I'm dropping stuff. On Saturday, you know, later on, maybe me and Edzo will put something together. I don't know. But I, for, for me, with these weekends, it is first and foremost about the contest and trying to maximize the opportunity to do well. And I'm not even saying win. That'd be great. But I'm not greedy at this point in life. I'd like a good showing. I'd like to walk out of there with more money than I showed up with. That's the goal for me anyway. And I just don't know that packs a wall up is the kind of horse that I need to really sink my teeth into at what could very well end up being, in my eyes, an underlaid number. So, I'm already looking at it saying I got one race on Friday that's really going to be kind of a, a pusher spot. You know, do I, how how hard do I push? I guess it really depends on what I end up making of Saturday. But um, I think it's going to be a good day of racing. I think you have potential superstars. And then on the other side, I think you've got a couple of races where chaos could ensue. So let me know what your thoughts are about the Friday races coming up at the end of the week at Keeneland. I think it's going to be a really good day. I'll be very curious to hear from some of you, especially those of you that didn't submit anything. I have already listened to our seven folks that have given their input. You're about to do the same, though. So let's hear from our seven guests who they like at a short price, who they think at a shorter number is vulnerable, and who they think could pop at a big price. And then I'll come back, and we'll wrap up, and we'll go through Saturday before we get you out of here. Okay, for the favorite that I like, I'm going to go with Cave Rock and the Juvenile. He's faster on all the figures I look at uh, than all these horses, and he's got a pace advantage, and he's got the right trainer. Uh, the short price that I don't like is going to be in the Philly Mare Sprint. That's Kamari, only because I think there's multiple other options with just as good or faster speed figures. So I'm going to fade Kamari. And then the price that I think could be uh, interesting to outrun his odds is domestic spending in the Breeders' Cup Mile. Um, he's coming off a layoff, but I trust Chad Brown in that. They wouldn't bring him here if he couldn't, uh, if he wasn't ready. And I think that his figures stack up with some of the best in here. So that's my three. Thank you. Hi, Matt. As for the most likely winner, Flightline. He's just simply from a different planet. In the distaff, I have two opinions. One, a favorite to fade is Nest. She's running against very serious fillies in the forms of Malafat and Clarier. And I like Clarier at a price. 
Her last time she had an excuse, she banged her head coming out of the gate, had a gash on her tongue, and didn't run. She runs back to the Shuvi in the fifth. She has shown herself to be better than Malathat. I think both Clarier and Malathat will finish ahead of Nest. Thanks, Matt. Hey Matt, for this year's Breeders' Cup, the favorite that I'm for is Jackie's Warrior. He's such a talented racehorse, I think this will finally be the year that he's going to be able to get his Breeders' Cup victory. For the favorite I'm against, it's going to be Cave Rock and the Juvenile. Honestly, I think the Juvenile could end up being a little bit on the chaotic side. And for the two prices that I'm for, it's going to be Lady Hollywood on Friday in the Juvenile Turf Sprint, and then Midnight Mile in the Phillies Turf on Friday. I think she's very impressive, she should be a decent price, and her last race at Newmarket was so impressive. Thanks so much. Have a great Breeders' Cup. Robert from Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Most likely, most likely winner of the century flight line. Should go one to nine. Upset, Tyler's Tribe from Altoona, Iowa, Prairie Meadows Racetrack. He's fast. And uh, bet against all the Americans in the Breeders' Cup turf. Just box the Europeans. Thanks. Hey, Matt. Gabe here in New York. Uh, favorite. Cave Rock, Flightline, take your pick. If either lost, I think we'd all be super shocked. Short price I'm against. going to say Jackie's Warrior in the sprint. It seems like in the sprint, someone always comes from off the pace, and I love this horse, but I really hate the dynamics for him. Uh, live long shot, I'm looking at a horse at a horse called Above the Curve in the Philly and Mare Turf. Joseph O'Brien trainee has never been on firm turf, so that'll be interesting for the daughter of American Pharaoh. Uh, just narrowly lost to Nashville last out and will probably be five times the price. So hoping to get her home. Most likely winner. Got to go with flight line. The TG number. Uh, you just you got to respect that. Vulnerable favorite, modern games. That is just a tricky race. And anything can happen in that one. Long shot, Lady Rocket. If she goes, you have to respect Cox. She's capable of running big on a big stage. Hi, this is Jay Braver. The most likely winner is Cause Flightline. Favorite I'm going to bet against is Chocolate Gelato. And the price horse I like is Paxil Wallop. Thank you. Thanks again to those of you who submitted some opinions and some thoughts on the Breeders' Cup World Championships. It means a great deal to me. I know it means a great deal to the listeners and the viewers. Um, Again, I think this time of year, your opinion is the only one that ultimately matters. But having as many views of opinions, I think perspectives, helps, in my eyes anyway, really round out what a race or handicapping a race should be. Hearing bits and pieces from other people, maybe I didn't look at the pace and think it was going to be that hot early on. But if I hear from five or six other people that they all think the same way, I know some folks will look at it and say, no, you got to go full contrarian and just stick to your guns. I think there's an element of acknowledging, like you still may have your opinion, but if everyone else thinks the other way, there's a chance that you may not be right. And in this game, we know, especially paramutually speaking, the best handicapper is the public. Period. End of story. So keep that in mind also. If you go into it and you say, boy, I think this horse should be 4-1, to one, and they're going off at 15-1 to one on Friday or Saturday, not saying you're wrong, but maybe they really shouldn't be four to one. Maybe they should be eight or ten to one. And that overlay isn't quite so substantial. Just my two cents to throw out there. Let's dive into Saturday. Again, this is not going to be a deep dive into these races, just some overviews, some thoughts. I still have some work to do in a couple of these races. 
the Philly and Mare Sprint, for me, the unfortunate thing was I really was all in on Caramel Swirl, and she did not enter the race. So I look at it now. Yeah, Goodnight Olive makes plenty of sense in here, but she was on a favorable position on the racetrack at Saratoga when they ran that race over the summer. Um, obligatory drawn just next door to her was against it so maybe you want to upgrade her but i have a funny feeling she's a name people are going to look at her and they're going to bet her do you look at the asmussen runners on the outside with wicked halo and echo zulu i thought wicked halo was really good winning the raven run echo zulu looked great coming back in the run at churchill downs she'll have other pace to deal with she got an outside draw i don't think it's impossible for her to run a big race though slammed the horse that won locally the TCA going six furlongs down on the inside. Going to have to go from there. You're going to have company from Edgeway. Those two hooked up out in Southern California over the summer. So, oh, and by the way, I haven't even acknowledged CeCe, the defending champion of the race. So really good race top to bottom. I don't have a great opinion right now just simply because my opinion is not in the race. So maybe I will come up with something between now and Saturday. Maybe I won't. The turf sprint, just echoing what I said with the juvenile turf sprint. Not my favorite races in the world. Um, Golden Pal's probably hard to beat in here, but it's a quality group. You know, you've got legitimate Europeans coming over here, but you've also got high-level domestic runners. You know, I, I could certainly see getting enticed into a horse like Arrest Me Red if he goes off in that sort of double-digit 15-20-1 to 20 to 1 range. Um, I can excuse that, that Kentucky Downs race. He broke poorly, and he still came with a run. Um, Casa Creed. On the turn back in distance, if the pace heats up, who knows? Maybe he can come with his big finish. Uh, but Golden Pal is strictly the horse to beat in there. Not breaking any news. There is other speed in the race, though. So I don't know that I would sit here and just, you know, automatically, you know, circle him and move on to the next. Oh, where are we now? The Big Ass Fans Dirt Mile. You've got Cody's Wish in here. You've got Cyberknife in here. You've got Laurel River in here. You've got Gunite. I, I think Laurel River was really good winning the Pat O'Brien. Going out to two turns, I don't see that being any kind of an issue. Baffert has uh, apparently intimated that he actually thinks this horse wants to go longer than the 7.8s. So maybe this works for him. Conversely, Cody's wish is the two-turn mile pushing it a little bit for a horse that really has blossomed as a, a late-running one-turn type. Um Cyberknife, I think the turn back is good for him, given the company in the classic, but is he truly a miler? I don't know if I really believe that. Gunite is fast. He's consistently fast. I hate what he does mechanically. doesn't really change leads, but he's running some good horses, and he's run fast times, so he makes sense in here. I think Senor Buscador is interesting. He's proven himself already in the past going two turns. He's coming into this in good form. I think he's on an upward trajectory. Wouldn't stun me if he ran a big race. Unfortunately, losing Jack Christopher from this race, and we'll get to the sprint in a moment, takes a little bit of the, the sizzle out, but it's still a really good race top to bottom. Another one that I don't have some sort of a slam dunk opinion in. The Philly and Mare Turf. I mean, you've got proper Europeans here, okay? Now, whether it's Nashua, whether it's above the curve, whether it's Tuesday, these are proper European runners. These aren't just kind of like add-ins, some throw-ins. These are good runners, especially the three-year-olds, and they're going to have to go and run down an Italian who's going to be out there on the front end. 
if they can go and collar her, now you're going to have quality closers in this race. Don't sleep on a horse, a horse, a horse like Moira. I know she's breaking from the far outside. She's got Frankie Dettoria aboard, but she's proven, I think, that, that she's not just a... I know some folks looked at it and said, oh, she won the Queen's Plate, great. But it's basically a restricted race, state-bred kind of race, on synthetic going a mile and a quarter. How's that going to translate? I thought she ran well enough in the EP Taylor to make you think that that form will transfer. Is it good enough to win the Philly and Mare Turf? Probably not. She probably needs to take another step forward, but I don't think that's totally out of the realm of possibility for a Philly like this. I've mentioned Rougier many times. I think maybe that Keeneland turf will be a little bit kinder to her than some of these other rock-hard turf courses have been. The problem is, I think she really would have appreciated a little give, and it doesn't seem like we're going to get that as we get closer and closer to Breeders' Cup Saturday. I believe there's some early week weather, but just it should be gone by, I think, Tuesday. Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, and then it's going to be dry for the rest of the way. Really good group. I think you can make a case for some big numbers in here. Maybe not to win, but to at least get a piece of this thing. And they're not, you know, cockeyed optimist kind of opinions. They're horses with legitimate credentials that are going to be 15, 20 to 1 that maybe they can grab a piece, if not win the whole thing. The sprint. Again, the sizzle has sort of been taken out of the race with the, the defection of Jack Christopher. He's not running in any race. This is Jackie's Warriors race to lose. I am not afraid of saying that. There are other good horses in here, including the defending champion, Aloha West. You've got horses like Elite Power, who's an up-and-comer. You've got American Theorem, who I think is very good, from out west. You've got the Philly, Kamari. You've got Maniwa, who won the local prep. You've got other quality runners in here. But make no mistake about it, this thing is setting up as well as it can for Jackie's warrior to get the job done. And if he doesn't, and this is one of his last races, if not his last race, I, I think this is a very important race for Jackie's warrior in the, in terms of how he's viewed historically. Maybe that's unkind because of the success that he's had throughout his career. You know, he, we already know he's won a grade one at Saratoga, you know, four consecutive years or, or something crazy like that. Three consecutive years, I don't know what it is. But not having the Breeders' Cup win Last year, which I'm excusing, I know a lot of people have, oh, well, he was terrible, or, you know, he didn't run well last year. Well, he got hurt. I'm not talking about a horse not running well because of an injury. I'm talking about it would, it would take a startlingly bad performance from Jackie's Warrior to lose this race, assuming he's healthy. If he just goes out there and doesn't show up for whatever reason, that's going to be damning, I think, to his overall body of work that he was great, and many people have said against inferior foes, and for the vast majority of those races, I agree. But let's also keep in mind, I mean, he he beat Life is Good. And I know Life is Good was off the layoff, and he's a route horse, yada, yada, yada. But he, he's beaten good horses before. Let's not make it out like he's, you know, just beaten up on a bunch of bums. He's beaten good horses before, but I think he needs to win Saturday. I think he does. That's just my opinion. And, and who knows? Let me know if you agree or disagree beneath the video player on YouTube. But... I, I think for his overall resume, Jackie's Warrior needs a win in this sprint. The mile. I mean, I think it, it might be the race I'm most looking forward to. Um, you've got quality from Europe. You've got quality here in the States. 
and you have the wild card in domestic spending, who, by the way, is breaking from the far outside. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I look at this race. One of my big opinions is in this race, and I'll, I don't know if it's how I'm going to play it, but as time continues to go by, Annapolis is going to be a big play for me, and I just don't know if it's strictly Annapolis or it's Annapolis in modern games, but I like the three-year-olds. I think the three-year-olds are both the now horses, but also can take another step forward. I'm not discounting domestic spending, but this would be a Herculean effort for Chad Brown to get him to win off this kind of layoff against a field that I think is good. Not even mentioning Regal Glory, who's in here. Not even mentioning Dream Loper or Smooth Like Straight or Ivar. Kinross, Order of Australia, who won this race two years ago. I mean, this is quality, top to bottom. I think Annapolis has potentially a special gear to him. I, I'm, I will eat my words if he runs like shit on Saturday. But I think he's got the potential to be the next real American miler. That's the other thing that's a little bit unknown for me with domestic spending. Is this just a hair too sharp? Is he going to unleash a wicked kick, but the problem is he runs out of real estate, as opposed to at a mile and an eighth or a mile and a quarter? In modern games, the only real question is, did that run on Champions Day take too much out of him over ground that he didn't like? Because if it didn't, he's the horse to beat. Domestic spending or no domestic spending. I think it's a great race. I am probably, no, I'll say it. I'm picking Annapolis. It's just a matter of how am I attacking the race from a gambling standpoint. Domestic spending, though, might be the most intriguing horse in the entire two days. The Distaff. We've talked about this race. It feels like the, the field has been solidified for weeks now. Pletcher has the two big ones in Nest and Malafat. As many people have pointed out, though, wasn't that long ago that if you had a head-to-head matchup between Malafat and Clarier, people would have taken Clarier. Maybe you just ignore the Saratoga run and she'll fire fresh off the bench. Her uncoupled stablemate society has one way to go, and that is straight to the front. She has search results drawn just to her inside. I'd be very curious to see how fast those two go going into that first turn. Because if they get real racy, I'll be fascinated to see what that means for Arad Ortiz Jr. and Nest. How close to that do you want to be? Or do you want to lay back? The problem is if you lay back, now you're right there with Malafat. I think this could be a very tactical race, which is... In, in an odd way, the shorter the field, the more tactical I think it can be. As opposed to when it's big field, you just kind of have to do what you have to do. This, I think there's going to be a little bit of cat and mouse on the far outside between search results and society. And if that's the case, I'll be curious to see what Arad does with Nest. I still think the race goes through Pletcher. Which one? We'll find out. The turf. I mean, at the risk of sounding obvious... It's, no, not at the risk of sounding obvious. It's, it's sounding obvious. I'm very inclined to say, give me give me Godolphin and move on. I don't I don't want Mishrif. Um, I don't want Bye Bye Melvin. I don't want Warlike Goddess. I'm interested in both the O'Brien horses. Maybe not to win, but Stone Age and Broom, I think they can both get a piece of this. Rebels Romance and Nation Pride, I think they are both 1A, 1B. 
and I know the European books are suggesting Rebels Romance is the go-to. I think Nation's Pride is probably a slightly more likely winner because I think he's going to be a little handier. And I thought he just flourished when we saw that most recent run at Aqueduct. If you're looking for a bit of a price to maybe think about underneath, I could see Masterpiece coming along. Maybe even Red Knight at a giant number to round out a try or a super if you're playing something like that. My big opinions, I'm going to be against Mishraf in here. I'm against Warlike Goddess. Godolphin, O'Brien, Appleby, and then maybe you sprinkle in a couple of wild cards underneath. But it's not going to be a very spready race for me. And then we get to the big one. The Breeders' Cup Classic. Flight line, breaking from post position number four. You've got Taba on the rail. You've got Life is Good in two. Life is Good's going to go. Flight line's going to go. Flight line probably just glues to his flank. From there... It's just a matter of, do you think Flightline can put life as good away and then hang on when you get challenges from Taba and Epicenter and Olympiad and maybe even a late run from a horse like Hot Rod Charlie or Rich Strike? I'm Captain Obvious. I don't have anything brilliant to say here. I think he Flightline would need to regress and someone else would need to move up rather remarkably for him to lose. So... This is, a, this is twofold here. As is, take the BCBC out of the equation. I'm not interested in betting this race. I'm interested in watching it from a fan standpoint because I want to see Flightline go out there and run a hole in the wind. From a BCBC standpoint, if I am in a position late on Saturday where this all of a sudden becomes a tactical race from a gambling standpoint where I need to make a play... My, my fear is, my initial thought was flight line over Taba, flight line over Epicenter for Exactus. But boy, I think that's going to be an underlay in the big picture because I could see people pounding that. So then do you try to do something a little bit cuter? Do you throw in Olympiad in second? Because I, I, I'm probably the only person on earth right now. Everyone's saying, oh, you saw what happened when Olympiad chased after a hot pace or after a real horse. He cracked I maintain he ran so much the best of his life between the Twin Spires or beneath the Twin Spires, between, beneath, up, down, whatever, for the Stephen Foster that he bounced out of it. He bounced out of the race. That is my, I will, regardless of what happened Saturday, I believe that. I think he's good. I don't think he's good enough to beat Flightline. But how far is he behind Epicenter and Taba? The only thing that those two have on him is that they're three-year-olds and I could conceivably see another forward move. Olympiad, I think, is going to run his race. And even if he maxes out his race, gets him up to a, a high 100, low 110 kind of number, why can't that run second, though? So maybe you zig when everybody else zags or vice versa. Um, but long-winded way of saying it's flight line and everybody else for me. I don't. I just don't have any interest in trying to beat him. There you have it. I know it was brief. I know they weren't the most in-depth opinions, but I still have a little bit of work to do. The good news is you'll be able to get all my opinions Friday and Saturday of the Breeders' Cup. Friday, we're going to be on USA Network. Saturday, we're going to start on USA and transition over to NBC at 3 o'clock Eastern. You're also going to be able to hear me on, I believe it's Thursday night. Me and PTF are going to be going over sort of the, the questions show. So I believe it's for In The Money Plus users. Uh, you can file in questions to PTF, and he and I are just going to chop it up. 
Think of it as an extension of Horse Players Happy Hour, but no races are going to be going on, and we're just going to be answering people's questions, giving opinions. The other thing to keep an eye out for, NBC Sports and the Breeders' Cup. We're not doing a betting show as we have done in the past number of years, past five, six, seven, eight years. We are going to do previews, though, for each of the races and talk a little bit more. So it'll be Nick and Britt at the desk. It'll be me and Edzo up at the big board. Uh, Kornacki maybe even wrapped in. And we're going to talk about a number of different things, horses we like, horses we don't like, all that jazz. That's going to be recorded on Thursday afternoon. You'll be able to find it everywhere by Thursday night, I'm sure. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This is the most important time of the year. I wish I would give you or I could give you more concrete answers. But if you also couldn't tell, it's a little bit... I'm not going to give you everything if I'm playing in a contest. And some of you may be playing as well. I'm not going to give you all my opinions. I'm going to give you most of them. And I'm, I'm giving you the, the legitimate ones, the stands, the horses that I say I'm making a stand with. I'm not, I'm not fibbing you. Those are horses that I like and I will be emphasizing in plays. What the plays look like, your guess is as good as mine at this point. Um, but as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down on YouTube. Make sure the bell icon's lit up so you get notified when new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. I fly back from Cincinnati on Sunday and there will be a pod on Monday. We'll come back and we'll take a look and see what happens, makes head, make some heads or tails and everything in between of Breeders' Cup 2022. And then after that, we all get to take a little bit of a breath. <sighs> Exhale. Yeah, we've got racing over the holidays. This has been a long six-month buildup. Here we are. My favorite two days of the year, Breeders' Cup Friday and Breeders' Cup Saturday. Keeneland Racecourse. Good luck. Best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, wherever you play. This has been episode 137.